Hey, welcome to Rebel Business. This is episode 22. My name's Mayhul Patel. I got my co-host here, Paul Samuel. Yo, yo. What's going on, man? All is good. All is good. Uh, actually really enjoying the uh, fall here in New York. Um, you guys definitely. got some decent weather now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's weird, man. We, we I, mean, I always talk about this. We do a comedy show every Friday and I'm telling you, it's like Every Friday, we get bad weather, and the other six days of the week, it's great. But uh, it's all right. It's still sold out um, this last Friday, so it all worked out. Um, I think people are in a better mood in the fall. Yeah, I, uh, I got a little um, independent critique of the show. I heard you did really well. Uh, I heard there was another comic from Texas yeah. who was really good. Uh, yeah, and then I heard... Lineup. I heard there was one particular person who tried some, call it risque, uh, material, and it just went over like a lead balloon. Um, yeah, I, I, it, they were trying some new material. Yeah. Uh, and it's always interesting to see comics go up there and, and play around a little bit. Um, yeah. I went after this person, so I... Uh, <laughs> I stuck to the material I thought would work, um, but uh, we actually had a mutual friends in the audience. So um, it's always nice to, to hear their feedback, you know, um, particularly when it's objective. Uh, but it was a fun night. Yeah. Uh, fun night in New York, um, at which also it was a full house, right? Totally full. People were drinking, buying food. And this goes to something that you've been bringing up for a while now um one of your concerns being consumption right uh and and when is the consumer going to get a little bit tired of spending so much money i can tell you if friday was any indicator they're not tired yet uh that yeah. was actually our highest grossing night we've ever had it was a horrible wow. weather day horrible weather day but highest grossing night we had and it's all food and booze um and i guess the last month's uh food and beverage uh, numbers came out and it was like this i think it was like the sixth or seventh straight quarter that it broke its own record as far as american spending on uh food and beverage uh which i thought was really interesting i mean that's I would have said, you know, those early quarters, sure, that's like the COVID, we're out, we can finally spend some money and live like a normal life, but it's, it hasn't lost steam, clearly. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I had a conversation with my sister the other day, and she lives in Manhattan. I know you do a bit about this, and I thought it was gross exaggeration, but apparently it isn't. She bought three apples the other day at a grocery store, and it was seven seventy. And I was I like, well, what kind of apples are these? It's like not organic, not the cheap kind, not like red delicious, but they were honey crisp apples. She paid two fifty an apple and they were ten dollars a pound. I'm like I mean, that's... who you're like you're discouraging people from eating healthy at, at that no, point. I mean, produce, vegetables, fruits, it's very expensive. I mean, I wouldn't say I eat an excessive amount of it, but and I'm a single person. Yeah, I'm easily spending fifty to seventy dollars on it a week. Yeah, easily. And there's, you know, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So, I think some of the spending is you're forced. You have to eat, right? right? And so you are forced to it. But 
you know, a comedy show or, or going out, uh, it seems like that part of the economy is still pretty strong as far as the spending. So let's, let's make this a little more personal. Let me ask you this. When you see variations, your, your business is, you know, boomer bust, right? Very lumpy, I'm sure in terms of cash flow. And so do you change your eating habits um, entertainment habits, depending on which way the wind is blowing, right? Are you spending more when you've got more cash flow? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a good question because, yeah, my, you know, working in real estate, working for yourself, but more specifically real estate, it's chunky, right? It, it comes yeah. when it comes, and then you have to live off that for however long you have to until, you know, your next transaction. And right now we're, big gaps here. Um, I definitely will pull back on some stuff. Um, you know, I just don't take Ubers unless it's like, I really have to now. Um, they've gotten so expensive. Um, that's number one, you know, fortunately the subway is 24 hours. It's actually faster. The reason you don't want to take the subway is the smell of urine, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the reason it's not because of the price or the efficiency. It is the, all the extras that come along with riding yeah. on the subway, um, which are horrible, right? I mean, you could at any moment have somebody come in and decide they're going to be the DJ for the subway, right? right? And blast music and do whatever. And that's just like the lightest of what you might have to deal with. So I definitely pull back on, I would say everything but food. Um, I think that's something I made a conscious decision of a long time ago. Even when I was broke, barely like staying afloat. One thing I told myself is I'm going to eat well because if a few dollars on food is going to make or break me, it's a wrap already and I may as well throw in the towel. But I'm not – I'm going to eat well. I'm going to eat what I want. But other stuff, without a doubt. I, I have cut back. There, there's no question. Um, I just don't spend that little bit of extra. Um, and some of it is because uh, transactions are slow for me, but also yeah. things have just gotten more expensive. Uh, yeah. So I definitely, it, it's, it's, it's a conscious thing for me. I mean, do you, do you, you know, you're a dad, you have a household budget. Has that changed? Uh, not very much. And so, I wonder how other families adjust. So we spend most of our grocery budget at, you know, Ralph's or one of the local grocery stores or Sprouts. And then we do a fair amount of shopping at Costco for bulk items and you know, snacks that we, uh, we give our daughter. So a lot of that stays the same. What, what does change a little bit is the amount of meat, the red meat we eat uh, and the quality of that meat. And I, I say this, um, tongue in cheek because last week I went and bought some really expensive meat. I mean, like a yeah, hundred dollars a pound. Of, uh, you, you, that, that's your thing too. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I spent $300 on four pounds of meat and I cooked <laughs> one of these steaks was a, it was a Wagyu American Wagyu porterhouse. And, uh, usually I get it right. Uh, but you know, these come flash frozen and I, I overcooked it a little bit. So it was fine. It tasted perfectly good. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, $150 worth of meat good, but, 
the point I'm making is, I, I guess I have that, you know, luxury that I can do that from time to time. I don't do it often. And if I'm feeling insecure, I sure, I sure as hell don't. Um, yeah. But well, other families, they, like they, I, I think they have a much more, you know, reasonable budget. So how much more can you tweak down? Like what, what's the bare minimum that you can go to? You know, I don't know. And, you know, this goes back to what we talked on last episode. You have two houses in the same neighborhood. Somebody bought their house in uh, 2020 and has a 3% mortgage and the same, uh, I guess, couple, let's just say same household size, buys a house literally next door, same type of house, same price, but they're paying 7%. 6% on the mortgage that just trickles down to the budget, right? I mean, you're, you're just paying more for your housing. And so I think maybe what's happening and there's no data to back this up because I don't think they can data mine this uh, without like spying on people's phones or seeing tax returns or really digging in. A lot of this spending could be propped up by people who are in low uh, fixed rate mortgages, right? Because they have a larger budget. They can spend more um, each month. And that probably won't change unless somebody in the household's job status changes. Yeah, That's when you will see effectively a lot of this spending changing. And it, you know, when they keep talking about what the Federal Reserve is going to do, essentially this is what they're trying to do they keep talking about how tight the labor market is what will break it is okay companies will have to cut jobs those jobs get cut and then finally even if you're in a three percent mortgage situation you are going to have to cut back on spending and so um and then once that happens maybe we see some price relief on on things um i don't know but it would be interesting if that data does exist, but I think being locked into that low fixed rate mortgage is carrying this on further uh, because yeah. that that household does have effectively more money to spend if they choose to. True. Yeah. And I think what's what's interesting in this current market, when we say the job market is, you know, really resilient, I think that needs a qualifier. Because you made this point earlier, um, we're kind of in a white collar recession, um, whether we want to admit it or not. And so maybe, you know, like factory workers, um, uh, you know, uh, warehouse workers are doing okay. They're still gainfully employed. Their their wages, in fact, are are higher than they have been historically. But yeah, there's a, there's a big fat gap in the middle of people who were laid off or um, underemployed, I will say, because they had to take something. Yeah. It's happening. I'm starting to see that. I think people are a little bit more concerned about their job status. I think, you know, I I know people who are graduating college, it's getting tougher, um, particularly for grad students. I mean, I think undergrad, they'll still find some roles, but I think if you're a grad student with an MBA or whatever, I, that's a little bit tougher because those are usually experienced positions and that's where they are kind of cutting back um, for sure. And I I think it's just a, it's a, the slowdown has just taken a long time. I mean, an interesting thing, market kind of point where we're at, you know, um, I think it was this week, you know, the 10-year treasury 
is up in the high fours or mid mid fours and can tick up, you know, to four seven, whatever. I, I saw like as high as four nine at one point yeah, last week. It, it, yeah. it has it has seen a lot of movement. And so if you're not familiar with capital markets, you know, the treasuries are just you know, it's the US government saying, hey, give us X amount of money and we are gonna give you yield on that at four something percent. Um, for a long time, it was in the twos, right? You know, it was, it was nothing. Like, you yeah. weren't encouraged to buy a U.S. you know, treasury. So, but what's happened is, and you know, we'll throw up a chart here, but what's happened is that treasury has ticked up and you now have to compare that to what a investment would yield you. So if you looked at just say you had enough money to buy that house next door to you to rent out the average yield on that after you, all your expenses, you collect the rent, but you have expenses, you're at basically what the 10 year U S treasury is at. Yeah. So why would you be encouraged at this point to take the risk and the work and the effort to buy a house and rent it out? You wouldn't. And we yeah, have risk premiums, not there. Yeah, exactly. And so that just falls under risk reward, right? Why, why, why would you do that? Um, you know, you're not going to drive a hundred miles to go to the same restaurant. <laughs> One's right there. You're not going to do that. It's not worth it to you. This is the same thing. Why am I going to put my money into uh, a real estate asset that's not very liquid? Right? And you can certainly lose value. Can lose you know. value. And is I can get the same amount of return on it with a very liquid piece of paper that I can sell two minutes after I buy it if I want to um, and is backed by the U.S. government. And so that's just starting now that that this is happening now. And I, I'm using real estate as an example, but it it's sort of like anything. Why would you also consider buying, you know, a small cap stock, right? One that's a little bit more risky than a Microsoft or an Apple. Why would you take that chance yeah. when, hey, I can get about four and a half, five percent, and in some cases over 5% if I put it in a money market or a CD at a bank? Why yeah. would you do that? Well, five-year five year CD or something like that, you can get, you know, higher yeah, than 6% so I I'm assuming. I feel like we've just gotten to this point. Um, we've been slowly creeping here, but you know, this is when I think high net worth folks start to pull back. You know, that's predominantly my investors are high net worth folks. And for the first time, you know, they are really, can you hear this noise? What outside? is that? <laughs> I is that have protest? no idea. I have no idea, uh, <laughs> but it is very loud. Um, it sounds just like cars and or motorcycles rumbling. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a parade is sort of passing by your building. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I have to say, <laughs> I'm 40 stories up and I can hear it. I know it is like rattling through the city right now. Um, anyway, I I think that it's the first time I'm hearing. You know. Um, high net worth people say, well, you know, I can make this on a really safe bond. I'm not really ready to, to do that. And I think that we're going to start to see, see that. I think it's gonna be harder for a small business. It's going to be harder for, um, I just think it's gonna be a harder situation to raise money 
going forward. And, and, and it'll be like that as long as treasuries are an attractive investment. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, at some point, um, the treasuries, treasuries are sort of the underpinning for a lot of prevailing rates, uh, including um, mortgages. So we're going to be in this weird place for a while. Um, I don't know how it will affect private markets, whether it will affect private markets more than public markets. I suspect it won't, but, um, yeah, the public markets are very sensitive to these rate hikes and, uh, and corporations, the treasury departments are obviously, uh, monitoring this closely because there are serious implications for balance sheets. Um, if you can, you, you, you don't have to chase yield. You can park it very yeah. com comfortably and carefully and, you know, wait out this lull, um, right size your company. I mean, which a lot of look, think about it. If you, had some doing, extra, yeah. if you had some extra money and you have a 3% mortgage and you can make almost 5% on your cash, I mean, yeah. it, it's just why wouldn't you do that? Because you can be above what some of your 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 personal costs are, uh, and I think it's gonna it is gonna be interesting. Uh, and I don't think it gets much. You know, treasuries have been a it's a boring investment, right? I mean, it is. It's literally clipping coupons, um, and that's what they used to say. The coupon on this <laughs> coupon. is yeah. X percent. Um, but then this this is what. Also, you know, I, I, I bemoan CNBC all the time uh, and I probably will never stop. But this is one of the things I don't like about CNBC is you have 50 percent of the people that come up on that show are wealth managers of reasonably small shops. They're not wealth managers at, you know, big places like Wells Fargo or Merrill or Morgan Stanley. Yes, yeah, sometimes they have them, but they're usually these smaller boutique places. And they consistently are talking about, oh, rebalance your portfolio, do this, do that, which fine if you want to do that. But 15 minutes earlier, the same person saying there's, oh, there's tons of market uncertainty. So then why wouldn't you recommend maybe going into treasuries? Because you can make 5%. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because they don't make any money. They don't make fees off of that. You can buy a treasury yourself. You don't need uh, a financial advisor or wealth manager to do that. And so that that does bother me about uh, some of the people they bring on there. It, it actually, it more than bothers me. Yeah, it's all about fees. You're right. They've all moved to this fee-for-service uh, you know, percent of asset manage. I, to be honest, when it first came out, call it, you know, 10 years ago, when it started gaining real steam in the retail market, I shook my head and was wondering why are people going to go for this? Like you can replicate everything that they're doing by going to Vanguard or treasury direct to your point and buy the securities you want yourself. But of course I was wrong. People still, you know, call up their broker because I don't know. They feel like they know better, and they're willing to pay. I think that's what it is. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just don't think we teach financial literacy yeah. at all. Um, I'll, and I'll it, keep the extra, you know, sixty to eighty basis points uh, a year. But I, I'll tell you, I've had the same conversation with my parents, and I told them, "Hey, you guys are super conservative with your investments." 
I'll park it in some, you know, yeah. blue chip stocks and keep you mostly balanced and and have some cash flow and dividend income. And they're like, no, we have these people at Fidelity that we pay one percent to do that. And I'm like, okay, cool, great. Yeah, I, I think it's some of it. It's the intimidation of the process. Um, I, it's like I said, they, if you're not, you know, around it that much, you think that that's a pretty modest fee to pay for me. It's not even it. Yeah. Some of it is the fee, but like that I can live with. I just don't want crappy advice. I don't want to be encouraged to buy something that I don't want to do it. And, and while the market is so uncertain, people have been wrong about what's going to happen quarter to yeah. quarter now for a year and a half. You know, if there were any receipts on CNBC, I mean, 70% of them would have been wrong. They've barely been right. And I don't want to hear, oh, you were right about Google and Netflix and NVIDIA. Like, okay, well, if you were wrong about those, you're an idiot. You should quit and find something else to do. Uh, so, you know, I just don't want, I just don't want the weather report from somebody who isn't going outside ever and has like a very much bias to get me yeah. to buy product. Vested interest in, you know, pushing you in, in a certain direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, with I you. Don't, I don't want that, you know, and, and this is a, it is a weird time right now, you know, and, um, I think companies that are trying to raise money, it's going to be difficult. It is going to be difficult. Um, but if you're somebody who, you know, doesn't follow the capital markets, just start following the 10 year treasury. You know, it's always in that box on any financial channel. You can, and it's on your phone. Watch that. Cause as that rises, um, the slowdown is, is definitely going to happen. You know I mean? Because it's, you, you're discouraged to take risk. And when there's a discouragement to take risk, um, the economy slows. Um, so we'll see what happens, you know, with that, you know, in real estate, which I'm in it, it, it we're already seeing it. The transactions yeah. are slowing um, because the price hasn't come down to basically match the risk is, is the issue. And until right. prices come down and people feel like, okay, well now I can make eight or 9% on buying that same piece of real estate. Okay. Yeah. That that's worth the risk because yeah. I want to make eight or nine. I don't want to make, you know, 4.7, 4.8%. Um, but it's, we'll see as this thing goes. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, a learn as, uh, as you go. Um, which is, which is anything. I mean, any, anything yeah. is, is, is like that when it's uh, uncharted territory. I mean, I, I think about like, even when we kind of, we were just talking about this, uh, before we got on, this is our 22nd episode, uh, of doing this podcast and kind of, I probably guessed wrong on what was going to happen after the second episode, the fifth episode, the 10th episode. Um, but I feel like, you know, we've, we've made progress in the ag on the aggregate. <laughs> we have made progress, but I think episode to episode, sometimes you just don't, we haven't felt like we have. Um, and, and I think that's the same as if, if you were starting a business right now. Um, you know, sometimes it feels in the early stages of starting anything that you're not making any progress. Probably. And, you know, obviously we don't have a ton of, uh, viewers were still sort of scrappy and, and, and building this up. But what I will say on the ground level is 
start with where we first, you know, where, where we first started was on Zoom. So grainy picture. Yeah. Uh, I was using some microphone that was, you know, a remnant from 10 years ago. Uh, and I, actually, you probably had better equipment than I did. And so just right from the get go, everything was just a little bit worse. And so now we're using a different platform. I really like this platform. I want to, you know, endorse uh, Riverside FM. They are oh, yeah. this is incredibly a good. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's easy to use. I mean, if you're starting a podcast, I'd definitely consider using it. It's way more um, slanted and tailored for podcasts, but Zoom is not. That's for just right. you know, meetings. It's for remote work. Um, but yeah, I, I think it has been a, a learning experience. I, I try to liken it to, um, you know, things that I've started entrepreneurial, it's, it's kind of the same, you know, I mean, it's, you, it is very easy to quit on things. Um, you know, it it is. And when you start a podcast or anything, that initial inertia is so difficult, uh, to maintain. You're always excited to try something new. Um, because you're, you're fully only thinking about the potential, but then the reality hits and you're like, oh, wow, 15 people listened to this today, <laughs> you know, when we first started, yeah. um, or, you know, I, I mean, we're middle-aged guys is almost a generous term for us now. Um, yeah, I'm we're old. We can call us ourselves almost two thirds aged, uh, like just editing video, right? You know, that was something I had to learn. Um, yeah. and, and, and even just us getting as many conversations as we've had in our lives with one another, this is very different. Um, yeah. and you know, there's moments where you're thinking, are we just, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. We suck at it, but that's anything, you know, we, uh, we mentioned that comedy show that I run, I run it with another comic and, um, it was brutal the first few months. Uh, yeah. We literally had somebody on the street barking to get people to come in. Um, we weren't utilizing, you know, digital ads. We weren't doing all of the things that we learned to eventually do. And then, you know, lo and behold, about a year later, we sell out uh, on a Friday night, on a rainy Friday night in New York. Um, and, the bar grossed its best night. And, you know, along the way, yeah, you, you do feel like, is this worth it? Um, right. Why am I spending all of this time? But it's, you know, if, if you're not willing to deal with the messiness of starting something new um, and the stamina that's going to be required, uh, then don't, don't, it, it's never going to be easy from jump. It's just not. Yeah couple things come to mind. Um, so, and I, and I know you have this, you had this in your old apartment, um, the stone cutters credo. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody's not familiar with it, the basic premises, uh, you know, you, you watch a stone cutter hit the same stone, uh, you know, 100 times and mm-hmm. there's no change. It, it seems like they're completely wasting their time. And then on the 101st blow, it splits in half and you realize that it wasn't that last blow, but every blow exactly. that came 
before it, right? So the the Stonecutters Credo, obviously uh, near and dear to me, Greg Popovich yeah. loves to quote it, uh, but it's true here too, right? Like you have to approach this as a, a slow moving process and yeah. one that you're not fully in control of. Um, the other point I'll make is, have you ever seen LeBron's show, The Shop? On HBO, you you should watch it. I've watched one episode, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. But it's this free form uh, forum where they get you know LeBron, Mav Carter, a bunch of NBA players, and or like hip hop artists, athletes. You've seen clips of it, okay? So the first episode was really good. Um, They had Antonio Brown on there, who's you know, (laughs) I mean, the the guys eclectic let's put it that way uh but lebron made a really interesting point which is you know he's his life is set right it's easy for him to just throw it into cruise control and not have to worry about anything right he could never do another thing in his life and his family for generations and generations uh will be completely fine but he made the point that he's gotten to a point in his life where he's comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And so we're in sort of the same position where this is not something that you and I have ever done before. Uh, We're still learning as we go. We're trying to take it carefully and um, be considerate of how we do things and deliberate, but we're going to make mistakes. We're going to learn from those mistakes and, you know, hopefully this becomes something better at episode 100 than it is today. Uh, but yeah, I, if, if somebody like LeBron can have that mentality, then certainly the rest of us can, right? We don't yeah, have and I, and I as think much have to, to risk. Yeah. You, you have to, if you're going to endeavor to do anything, if it's a small business, learn a new language, move to another city or country, whatever it is, um, you're going to have to make mental space for that. Um, you know, I think the other part of it too is uh it's just the voices that you're going to listen to as well i mean you say you're going to start a podcast you get tons of people telling you what you should do uh when we started this comedy show i mean the amount of people that told us a that's a terrible neighborhood for it was a lot uh mostly other comics um and you should do this or you should do that and it's like you got to drain it out. If you have a plan that you think is going to work, um, it's easy to find people who will discourage you. Yeah. And the handful of people that will encourage you are the ones that you have to keep close. Um, it's true. And it's not to be so naive to li- not listen to good advice because, you know, it's good to talk right. to other people. But it's it's so much easier for people to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's not going to work or um, try this or try. I mean, the amount of people with this comedy show that were like, well, you should brand it this way. And it's like, no, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to brand it this way. This is how we're going to do it. And if it fails, so be it. Uh, It will fail doing it the way I believe is the right way. And you know what? It it was the right way. Um, you know, screw these stupid branding ideas. I, they were all terrible that people were telling me to do. And, you know, ultimately you have to, uh, you do have to listen to your own voice. Um, to an extent. you gotta have some thick skin, right? Like I, I, to be honest, a million people are gonna, you know, criticize yeah. you or make fun of you for 
you know, trying something new, um, you know, what do you have to say? You know, what makes you think that people want to watch you on a podcast? Oh, another podcast, right? Things like that. You know, I, I can, I can ignore a lot of that noise. I ignore, pretty easily. I pin it up on my freaking refrigerator, <laughs> man. I'll write that name down and I'll pin it up there. I'm, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely motivation for me. And sometimes look, it's even somebody who has experience. Um, yes, true. That says Good that point. to you. And you have to, you have to be able to decipher the people who are giving you generous advice. And then the others that fear that, you know, it's a zero sum game. There's only so much of this to go around. People who come from a place of scarcity, they can still have, you know, experienced some level of success. I've had people in the real estate world do that when I was jumping in, like, Oh, you shouldn't do self storage. It's overbuilt or, Oh, you know, you know, why are you going down to the mid Atlantics? That's, yeah. and they were experienced. And in my head, I was like, Hey, yeah, you know what? How about fuck you? Um, how, why don't you put that one on? You know, like, and that, that was always how what I a felt. nice retort. Yeah. Yeah. I would, that's how I felt. And it may be my okay. body language and just my attitude would, they'd feel it, but that's how I still feel. Um, just cause somebody has a world of experience, their attitude is what really matters. And, and to your point, LeBron James's attitude is I'm going to embrace being uncomfortable. Um, yeah. and, and people like that generally are, and I'm obviously I don't know LeBron James, but people that are successful that are willing to, um, they it's, I don't know how to explain it, but like they know how to give you, um, constructive criticism versus criticism and just being, you know, discouraging you. Uh, they, they know there's a certain baseline amount of support that they have to provide out of the box. Yeah. Right. And, and then beyond that, they may, you know, give you constructive criticism, but, but at a core level, they are there to be supportive. Right. And that, that's the difference. Right. Yeah, and, and Cause so I, I, I think particularly now, if you are trying to endeavor to do something different, one, it is going to be even harder to, to convince somebody uh, yeah. to invest with you or, or take a chance on you if you're kind of changing careers or trying to find a new role. Um, I, I mean, it, it will be harder, but I wouldn't be discouraged, you know, by that. I, I have found investors and in new jobs in some of the worst recessions ever. Uh, and yeah. it, it still can be done. It just will come down to how much stamina you have and how much effort you're putting in. I mean, it, it I know that sounds so cliche, but, um, it's, it's true. I mean, it's very much true. And if you're not willing to do that, then yeah, I mean, your situation isn't going to change and no. I guess find some people to complain with and want, I mean, that's it. Uh, that, that's what it comes down to, man. Boiling it down to the very <laughs> nitty gritty. There's Try the winners hard. and there's the winners. <laughs> and before you're a winner, you are a loser. You fail. That's what it yeah. is. That's what comes before it. But if you, you're, you're whining, right, you're, I've never heard anybody whine their way to a win. Just never heard that before. That doesn't happen. Well, you get you got to get your hands dirty, right? So yeah. if you start any business, right? We talked about uh, Sarah Blakely and how she would, you know 
do her meetings where she'd leave, you know, put on a pair of Spanx and come back and show sort of before and after, but she, she was a hustler and she's still yeah. a hustler. Right. So those root, that, that grounding, that mentality is probably one of the only consistent things that you will see Absolutely. across business owners, athletes, uh, musicians, right? Like they, they, there's not a lot of stories of somebody who was discovered randomly, you know, no. singing in a coffee shop and then all of a sudden became an overnight star, right? They, they grinded and, you know, pounded that stone for quite some time no, before I they mean, got it. You know, a lot of these, you know, guys like Dr. Dre and Jay-Z were selling their own CDs. Yeah back in yep. the day before they were getting signed. Right. And so that's what it takes. I mean, that, that, that's definitely what it takes. Um, I mean, on, on that note, uh, last week, I, I definitely was wrong, um, about Taylor Swift's movie. You're not a Swifty, uh, my friend. I, 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 I live with not. two Swifties. So I had clearly, a little bit better. Clearly. So intel. we tried to guess, how much money and she's a definition of a hustler um yeah. i mean so she had her movie that came out that was just about her tours and i guess it would make 60 million you said what 100 i said 100 yeah it made 123 million in its opening weekend <laughs> i guess i did not i i must have underestimated the global phenomenon that is taylor swift but 123 yeah. million and basically 60 hours is pretty impressive. It's, it's amazing. I I'd like, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, she is, um, a great ambassador for music and for pop culture. So I'm, and, all, I'm, I'm 100% behind you people know the, the other thing, giving her and, money. And, you know, we're Gen X, we're from that generation where we grew up with MTV and we grew up with those pop stars, like, that were huge that, that, you know, they'd stay at a hotel and there'd be tons of people outside, whether it's Michael Jackson or even, you know, even George Michael got so big that he couldn't just walk <laughs> down the street. I'm serious. Back, I know. I like George Michael. Back, back I then, the pop stars rest were in peace. Just, yeah. they, they just were a force. And I think there was a, yeah, of course we've had some big names over the years, but she's, for me, I feel like she's one that is almost a throwback to that era where, mm -hmm. you know, she's so big when she's just sitting in a skybox yeah. to watch her boyfriend play football. It's news. It's like, oh, that's yeah. what Taylor Swift's doing. And and we I don't I don't recall a pop star in music specifically that is reminiscent of those 1980s and, and to some extent 90s, but really the 80s pop mm -hmm. star where they just, they couldn't move in public. And she is Madonna. That. Yeah. Madonna dated Rodman for a while and was showing up to Spurs games. And, you know, except maybe even when he was with the Bulls, actually, maybe not, but she showed up to a couple of Spurs games. There was, there was like, you know, yeah. It wasn't one news. shot of her. Yeah. It wasn't huge news. Like it is not, not like with this. Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah. Somebody who's not even a football fan knows who Travis Kelsey is now. Because My daughter knows who Travis Kelsey yeah, is. That's yeah. that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's, that's right. You know, it's kind of cool to see. So I was like, wow, 123 million, man. She is a GDP in her own right. She um, is. Yeah. 
So the movie we're going to try to guess uh, this week, uh, it's called Freelance. Um, it's uh, it's about an ex-Army Ranger turned family man accepts a job as a security, as security for a journalist as she scores an interview with a notorious and eccentric South American dictator. They uh, end up getting caught up in a coup and must escape the country. Yeah, I watched this trailer. I did. So it's a John Cena joint, and Hathaway is the uh, um, the the female lead. And yeah, I'm not going to see this. I don't know why they keep making movies like this. These are like, let, let me say one thing because I'm gonna I'm gonna age myself here. When it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. And I'll even throw Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. Oh, like, don't put that him was... in those two. <laughs> Dude, Bloodsport Blood is one of my Come personal on, favorites. No, Bloodsport was no. outstanding. Oh, my outstanding. God. Outstanding. No. Um, so, like, those movies, while bad, okay, a lot of them were bad. Let's be honest, right? Um, they were watchable. They had very, like, quotable characters right like commando right yeah. it wasn't even just terminator for for arnold schwarzenegger commando right like uh yeah, predator right <laughs> but john cena in this movie i will assure you does not have one classic quote like no. it's just like they're 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 reaching and i get the genre i get the you know appeal but it's, I'm not buying this one. I'm you like, know, it's uh, it's like he's he's the Rock light, right? Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's uh, Dwayne Johnson light. Um, I'm sure he has a pretty dedicated. Um, he does, right? Base. Yeah, he does. But this is if you watch the trailer, it's one of these movies that it's like, is it an action movie? Is it a comedy movie? Is it serious? Is it not serious? And it's just. It's a. It's just like you can already see in the trailer. This is a ripoff of twenty other movies, just yeah. patchworked together, um, or ripoff or copy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, so it's like you're gonna go, and there isn't gonna be anything original. I think the only way you can go and like this is if you're like thirteen and yeah. you haven't seen any of those other movies that fall under this category, or twelve, or fourteen, or whatever. I, I don't. I just don't see a a wide demographic going to this. I think it makes, I mean, they've put some marketing into it. I just can't, I'm not going to go more than 4 million bucks on this. I won't go much higher than that. Uh, 6 million. We're like splitting hairs here at this point. Yeah, like, I, I think I, it, I'm so it's single dour on this. For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go with four. I, I think he's, you know, there's only one, the rock. Um, and there is, he's good. He's entertaining. <laughs> the rock. I will, I will say the rock has some, yeah. Star appeal. He does. I'm still, I'm a big Arnold fan. Uh, I know Dude. one of our mutual friends, Vonlin is a, is a big Arnold fan. Uh, so I, I'm partial to like commando predator, uh, T terminator series. Yeah. When they come on, Are I know. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with four, uh, and then we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and I don't know, I don't think it's going to break that, but, um, it's going to be our episode. Um, 
so like we said, watch the watch what's happening in the world of treasuries. As that rises, it's going to signal more of a slowdown um, because of a lot of reasons. But the big one is, uh, you know, I think investors are going to have a, a moment um, over the next, you know, six to 12 months where they might say, hey, that isn't worth the risk. So keep an eye on that. And uh, don't listen to any wealth managers on CNBC. That's my well. advice. You could listen to the Jizza, who once very aptly told people, diversify your bonds. And on that note, on we that can close note, the show. <laughs> take it easy, everyone. See you, everyone. <laughs>